Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 46, Why Is It So Hard to Ask for Help? My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Our battle buddy moment for today's episode is a review for the podcast from Courtney Townley, and she says, a must listen. Jesse has a gift for helping people to understand their own thinking so they can become powerful leaders of their own life. Do yourself a favor and listen to this show. Thank you so much for that review, Courtney. I really appreciate it. So today we are talking about asking for help. And what I really want to take a look at in this episode is why can it be so hard to ask for help? I get asked this question sometimes and I coach my clients on this at times, basically just asking for tips to make it easier to ask for help. And I think that one of the first steps, as always, is awareness and understanding why it does feel so hard to ask for help. I put this question out to my Facebook friends and got a lot of really insightful answers back. And I want to share with you some of the things that they shared with me of why it can be hard for them to ask for help. So tell me if you can relate to any of these. People are often afraid to ask for help because they might appear weak or because they're keeping up certain appearances. They might be afraid to ask for help because they feel embarrassed or they feel shame when they ask for help. A big one for people can be that it feels like nobody understands what they're dealing with or what they're going through and so it doesn't feel safe maybe to ask for help. People might not want to ask for help because they're feeling stubborn or prideful. Another thing we make it mean sometimes is that if we have to ask for help, it means that we've failed in some way. A big one can be that we look around at the people around us and they don't seem to be struggling with what we're struggling with. It sort of seems like we're the only one that has a hard time with this certain thing. And so that might prevent us from asking for help. Um, Another common belief is that people have plenty of their own problems. They don't have time, patience, energy to help me with mine. Sometimes we don't ask for help because we have certain expectations of ourselves or we feel like other people have expectations of us. We often don't want to ask for help because we take a lot of pride in our self-reliance. And if we ask for help, that we're worried that will threaten that ability to be self-reliant. Sometimes we don't want to ask for help because we're worried that we're being a burden or we're inconveniencing people. We don't want to ask for help if we're worried that it will make us look or feel dumb. This one came up quite a few times and I found it to be really interesting that people found it exhausting to ask for help because they had this personal definition of what some people might call reciprocity or basically the requirement to trade favors instead of more of an altruistic approach of just receiving help and then at other times giving out help and having the two things not be connected. And when you believe that if you receive help from someone, you have to pay them back in an equal or greater way, I can see how that would feel very exhausting. Along with the desire to be self-reliant, we also have a desire to not have to rely on other people. And I think that can often stop us from asking for help. And another big one is that when we ask for help, inevitably we are putting ourselves out there. We're being vulnerable. We're admitting that we can't do it all by ourselves and that we tend to be quite uncomfortable with vulnerability. And we're going to talk about that a little later in the episode. The last one I want to share in this list is that many of us have a kind of 
don't, I've got this attitude or we don't ask for help and that proves to ourselves how capable we are. And so as I read all these really insightful comments from these people and I'm so grateful they were willing to share, it helped me see that we all, we all struggle with this at one time or another in one form or another. I want to share a story with you guys of an experience that I remember really well from Brad's first full year deployment. As you guys know, I broke my leg. During that whole experience with my leg being broken, I absolutely had to open myself up, ask for help nonstop, rely on other people to fulfill most of my needs. It was a really humbling experience. And I honestly believed during that time, because I got so good at asking for help, that I was almost cured from this problem, cured from it being hard to ask for help, which is pretty funny to think about now because truly there is no cure. (laughs) There's just our thoughts. And sometimes we're thinking, oh, if I ask for help, it'll mean this. And sometimes we're thinking, oh, it's so smart for me to ask for help, or I'm glad I'm able to ask for help. And that's really all that it comes down to for it being hard or easy to ask for help. But because I got so much practice at that time, I thought, oh, this will be easy from here on out to ask for help. And it was about March when I was back to fully functioning on my own. You know, I broke my leg in December and I think it was just maybe a month after that that I got really sick. I just got a really awful cold and I can remember this so well. I had been really proud of myself for how little I'd need to, I had needed to ask for help in the recent few weeks and then I got so sick that I just thought, no, I, you know, I'm, we've got this. We'll just take it really easy for a few days. I don't need any help. Everything will be fine. I'll get better and, and then we'll just go back to me not needing to ask for for help anymore. So I'm a couple days into this cold and it was really knocking me off my feet. But I would, for the most part, I would just wake up feeling awful and then I would take some medicine and the middle of my day would go pretty well. But as it headed into evening, it would just all sock me in again and I would just dream of being able to go to sleep as soon as I got my littles in bed, then I could go to bed. And one day on this particular day, my husband's parents came over, my in-laws, who are amazing and we have... a really awesome relationship that I'm so grateful for. And that's another part that makes this story so fascinating is they came over and brought us dinner, which was wonderful. And I... I hadn't asked for it. They just knew I wasn't feeling well and they thought that that'll be great. We can come help. And they played with the kids while I rested on the couch a little bit. And it was such a relief to get a little bit of help. And also, I'm going to admit, a relief that I didn't have to ask for it because I was really priding myself and not needing to ask for help since I had been recently asking for so much. Anyway, it was about 7.30 and I was just dreaming of being in bed and not needing to do anything else, but I knew I still had bedtime looming ahead of me. And as my in-laws visit was wrapping up, They turned to me and they said, is there anything else we can do for you? How can we help? And I had this split second moment of just my brain screaming at me. Just ask them to put the kids to bed for you so that you can just go to bed. And I I have a hard time even explaining it, but I just stuffed that thought down and I smiled at them and I said, no, we're, we're doing great. Thanks so much for coming over. And I sent them on their way. I mean, it would have just been so easy to ask them for help. But in that moment, I had some thought that said they've already done enough or that would be too much of an ask, too much of an inconvenience, you can do this, you know, whatever, some version of all of that that caused me to, instead of accepting their offer, to 
give them a big, almost fake smile and say, nope, we're all good. Thank you for coming. Good night. And they left and I watched them drive away almost in tears and frustrated with myself that I hadn't just asked them for that because I felt so awful. And for some reason, I felt the need to pretend that I wasn't feeling as sick as I was and be brave or strong. I don't know. It's really fascinating to watch these irrational, illogical fears that we take action from when it comes to asking for help. And so about 10 minutes later, I've managed to herd the children upstairs and I am so sick and so weak that I'm just laying on the floor outside their bathroom while they brush their teeth and they're fighting and just doing all the things that kids love to do at bedtime. And I'm laying there just thinking, I cannot get them in bed. I can't do it. I'm so sick. I'm so tired and feeling again, very frustrated with myself that I hadn't just let my in-laws do it. I mean, they were in my home. I didn't even have to ask them to come over from a different place. It really would have been no big deal for me to just ask them. But this was a really powerful learning experience for me. So eventually, you know, the kids rallied and and I got you know laid on the floor while they finished going to the bathroom and brushing their teeth and I just verbally directed them into bed and I think I had the you know my oldest read them a story instead of me and I just sort of crawled in my bed and took some medicine and crashed but like I said this was such a valuable learning experience for me as I was able to reflect on it over the next couple of days and many times since then I've reflected on this experience to remind myself that we're never cured from these, like I said, irrational and illogical fears that really have an effect on our ability to ask for help. And if I had had a plan in that moment for that exact split second decision I had to make, if I knew that my lower brain was going to offer me, you know, one side of my brain was saying, yes, please let them put the kids to bed. And the other side of my brain offered me 10 thoughts really fast of it's too much to ask, you know, several versions of that. And that's the side that won in that moment. But if I had been prepared, if I had known that my brain was going to resist their offer, and then I knew it's okay, you know, that I'm worried it'll mean all these things about me and about them. I'm just going to accept the offer anyway, I could have just gone to bed and they would have happily put my children to bed and it, it would have been amazing. And even if it did feel like too much of an ask to them, that's their own business. Honestly, you, if you can come to terms with that, it's not up to us to manage other people's ability to say yes or no, or their attitude about you know what they've offered or what they're now being asked to do. That's all really their own business. If they've offered, it's really available to us to take them at that face value offer and say yes or no based on what we want to do without any of the drama or nonsense of trying to guess what their true intentions are or what they're actually thinking and feeling about it. If they say they're willing to do it, take them up on their offer. And we're going to get more into that as we proceed. But one thing that I want to compare for you guys right now that has helped me in understanding all of this is there are two feelings that we can operate from when it comes to asking for help. And not not even that, but I, I feel like when we compare these two things, I'm going to tell you what they are here. We th- are worried one thing's happening when it's actually the other thing. So here's here's what it is so you can understand what I'm talking about. So I want to compare for you self-pity versus self-compassion. And so when some of those illogical fears come up, we're worried that if we ask for help based on these fears, that what we're doing is we're pitying ourselves and other people are pitying us and we are kind of indulging in that self-pity. We're worried that's what's happening and that's why we don't ask for help. When actually what is happening is self-compassion. Asking for help is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves and truly other people too. And we're going to get into that. But first I want to give you a couple of definitions for pity and self-pity. So the definition for pity is basically sorrow for other people's misfortunes. And the definition for self-pity is the excessive, self-absorbed, 
unhappiness over one's own troubles. So you can see how that's a really powerful definition to be worried that we're doing. And it coincides with a lot of those concerns that people brought up in my Facebook post about why they had trouble asking for help. So now let's counteract that with what is actually happening when you ask for help, which is self-compassion, compassion and self-compassion. So compassion is basically defined as a sympathetic concern for others' well-being or for the troubles that others are going through. And another way that I like to define compassion or just basically another word for compassion for me is understanding. I love defining compassion that way when I'm seeking for understanding other people, understanding where they're coming from, seeking for them to understand me. I feel like that's really where compassion comes in. And the reason that understanding is so important is because understanding is the perfect antidote to judgment. And really what's happening when we are unwilling to ask for help or unwilling to accept offers of help from other people is we're doing a whole lot of judging. We're either judging ourselves, we're guessing at what other people are thinking, so we're basically judging them. We're assuming they're judging us. And sometimes we are judging them if if it's on the other foot where people are asking us for help. Sometimes we have judgmental thoughts towards their request for help. And that just kind of cycles back to reaffirm our own assumed judgment of other people of us. So If understanding is the perfect antidote to all of that judgment, then let's seek for that understanding. So about a year ago, I read Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face, which is a a fun read and you can get a lot of good insight out of it and inspiring um, behaviors to adopt. And I loved all the stories that she shared from her personal life and just a great read. I highly recommend it. Um, But one of my favorite things about her book was that she spent an entire chapter encouraging women to to improve the relationship they have with their ability to ask for help. And I love how she she has kind of a no-nonsense personality that we all love about her and she pulls it off so well. And I love that she calls us on it. She calls us on the fact that all the excuses we come up with for not asking for help are just that. They're excuses. They basically are nonsense. We are creating those excuses to save face, to appear strong, to maintain, you know, appearance and expectations of ourselves, no matter how realistic or unrealistic. And some of the things I love that she talked about, and again, she spent an entire chapter on this, you guys, and I love that. And she said one place to start if you're struggling to ask for help is start by accepting any and all offers given you. So if you're working towards being better at asking for help, one place you might start is just by accepting offers. And she, she spelled it out this clearly. She said, you need to have a response prepared. Something like, I mean, it's been a year since I read this book, but something like, yes, please just have it locked and loaded in your mind. And when someone says to you, let me take your kids for a couple hours, you just say, yes, please. Or when someone says, can I bring your family a meal? You just say, yes, please. Or when someone texts you and says, I'm at the grocery store, can I pick up some milk for you? You say, yes, please. Now people aren't always extending offers, but if you find that's happening in your life where you're getting general or specific offers of help, and I'm hoping that a lot of you are having that experience, especially when 
you're in a situation where your husband is deployed or maybe you've recently had a baby, people around you generally want to help but don't always know what to do. And so some people will be making, like I said, general offers. Just let me know if there's anything I can do to help. And some people will be making specific offers. But if you have that response practiced, ready to go, when I receive an offer of help, I just say, yes, please. Yes, thank you. That would be so helpful. Just some response and you just take one second to swallow that pride or whatever it is that is holding you back and just say, that would be great. Thank you. Just accept those offers of help. But then the next layer of this is that truly the ball is always in your court. Many of you, I'm sure, are not getting a lot of offers of help. Everyone is involved in their own lives and busy with their own stuff, but that has nothing to do with their desire or willingness to help. It just means they're not making offers. So that's another layer to keep in mind that I have decided most people want to help they just don't know what to do. And we need to help them help us by coming up with our own specific ways people can help. Now, in the past, during the past couple of deployments, as I've analyzed my needs, what I could use help with, I've received offers from some people, but I could tell other people were waiting for specific requests from me. I realized everything goes better when I get some help. And so I need to get clear on this. I need to figure it out for myself and be intentional about asking for help and asking for it in a specific way that people can actually act upon. One thing that I remember learning about myself at these times was that one reason for me that it was hard to ask for help was that there really was no one thing that I wasn't able to accomplish on my own. I really could do it all, but what I learned was I could do it all, but definitely at a cost. It's And when I realized that there were parts of me and parts of my family that were suffering because of my, maybe my stubbornness or just that concept of because I can do it all, maybe I should, you know, different thoughts like that. That was when I realized that I needed to open myself up a little bit. So one thing that I would tell people, I remember telling people this during my husband's first deployment. I didn't do it so much on the last one, but I would tell them there's no one thing I'm really ever going to ask for. But if you show up at my house at any time, I will have something that you can help me with, whether it's running an errand for me or staying at my house while I run an errand or doing a little bit of yard work or cleaning something in my house or playing with my kids while I get a little break or taking the dog for a walk. It, I, I basically just generally needed a little bit of help with everything. And that would kind of lead to overwhelm throughout the deployment. And we would get through each day. But anytime I did get a little bit of reprieve and a little bit of help and a little bit of relief, that day just went that much better and my overall mental and emotional health was that much more improved. And so I would tell people that. Text me and say, I've got 30 minutes for you this morning. Is it a good time to come over? You know, and then I would say, come over and here's how I can use you for 30 minutes. And that that ended up working for quite a few people. Another thing that I did in this last deployment was I would make a list, like a literal physical list of people who offered to help. So as we prepared for Brad to leave and a little bit after he left, whenever I would talk to people, pretty much everyone would say, oh, you know, after we had a little conversation about how things were going, they would say, you know, let us know how we can help. And whenever I got those words from somebody, as long as I, you know, believed that they were genuine, which is a decision I make because we can never know if they're genuine. We just decide if we think they are. I I felt like I had a pretty good sense of people who felt like they needed to say it and people who were truly saying it, who really wanted to support our military family while my husband was away. I would go home and write their name on a list. 
And if they had made a specific offer, I'd write that next to it. But if it was just a general offer for help, I would put their name on that list. And then when little things came up, this list was so valuable because in the moment when things come up, I feel like my brain goes blank. I can't remember one person that has offered to help me. And so then I could go to the list and move my way through the list. And then I knew I wasn't asking any one person for too much help. I was spreading out those opportunities. And this really benefits me so much, obviously, but it also benefits the people offering the help. They feel feel so good that you remembered their offer, that you took them seriously, and then you called them. That's exactly what they want. Even if it's not what they want, I just decided it was exactly what they wanted. And then I benefited from believing that and calling them and asking for help. I truly do think that most people, when they make that offer, especially for us as military families, they really mean it and they really want to help. And one reason I think this is true is, especially if you're in a community that doesn't have a lot of military, and I'm I'm a National Guard wife, and so we don't live on, you know, base or post or anything. We're not in a military community. We're one of the few families in our area who's in the military. Um, These people who surround us want to show their patriotism. They want to support the troops. They want to support military families and they don't really know how to do it. And so this is this perfect opportunity that you can give them of here's how you can specifically help the military today. And it's, it's a real gift. It's a gift you give them and it's a gift you give yourself. And this comes back to that self compassion. In no way are we indulging in self-pity. We're completely acting from self-compassion when we accept offers to help and when we make it a priority to ask for help when we need it. So let's take a look at that list again of reasons why we struggle to ask for help because it's pretty interesting that when we're not right in the moment of need, in that moment of needing help, we can look at this list and pretty easily and logically explain or solve for most of our concerns. And that is because when we're in the heat of the moment, when we're in that moment of need, if we're not careful, we go into our lower brain. And that's when we indulge in a lot of those irrational fears and concerns. And later when we're pondering on what happened or, you know, how we did or didn't ask for help, usually that's when we're in our higher brain. When we're analyzing things, that's often when we're in our higher brain and we can see, oh, you know, it's like when I was so sick and in that moment I didn't ask for help. And the next day I looked at it and it just seemed so simple the next day of how easy it would have been for me to just say, oh yeah, please, if you could put the kids to bed, that would be so helpful. But in that moment, it was just not even an option. It was, they've already brought me dinner. They've already helped so much. And that felt so real to me in that moment. So, so like I said, when we're looking at this list, we can logically resolve most of our concerns. But what matters is what we think in the heat of the moment and how we answer our lower brain in the heat of the moment, as you know, from the unintentional and the intentional models that we work on. And so in the heat of the moment, our brain offers us something like from, you know, from this list we had, if I ask for help, that means failure. These are thoughts from our lower brain. I can't ask for help because that's embarrassing or nobody understands or I'll feel dumb or I've got this. Or if I ask for help, that means I'm not self-reliant. These are thoughts from our lower brain that prevent us from asking for help. And so as we gain awareness around that and understand that that's a pretty normal function of our lower brain, then we can have that intentional model ready because we can see very clearly that when we think those thoughts and then we feel embarrassed or weak or shame or misunderstood or alone and then in our action line we don't ask for help and then in our result line at some point there's maybe not always but there seems to be some extra suffering whether it's it took a toll on us to go beyond our capacity or it took a toll on our kids 
you know, we didn't end up doing the thing because we didn't get the help, you know, whatever it was. And so when we move to the intentional model, when we can see what those unintentional thoughts are creating for us, the results that the unintentional thoughts are creating for us, we can take a look at what instead, how we want to answer our brain in that moment, what results we do want to create. And it was this last deployment that I decided the results I wanted to create was that we thrive while my husband's deployed for a year. I was over that whole experience of survival mode. And when we don't ask for help, we get through, of course we do, but at a cost. And I feel like that cost is the survival mode. And so there were days and moments of survival for sure in the second deployment, but where I kept thriving as my desired result throughout most of the deployment, it really helped me gauge my intentional thoughts. And so when I would need help, and those common thoughts would come up from my lower brain that would bring on the stubbornness or, or you know, the worrying about feeling weak or, or any of that. Then I would say, I don't want to go into that survival mode where I just do everything myself and I'm going to ask for help. And so to come up with some of those thoughts to answer, that's what we're going to take a look at next. So some that immediately come to mind for me are asking for help is how I take care of myself. Asking for help is how I have my own back. Another one that I like is I get done what needs to be done. I do a lot of it by myself and I ask for help for everything else. Another one that I like that's a little bit silly is I do what I do best and I hire out or ask for help on the rest. And I've talked to you guys about my experience with having a nanny during this last deployment. And you know how life changing it was for me if you've listened to the nanny episode or ever heard me talk about that experience. But it was unlike anything I've ever felt before to have regular, consistent help throughout the entire deployment. I just, it's so hard to even describe what that was like, especially compared to my experience of mostly survival mode of the, and during the first deployment. Now, a nanny is a unique situation and not something that's going to be available to everybody. And as you guys know, we did a trade where we traded room and board for just a small number of hours a week. And that was just perfect for us. I didn't need more than that. And so it can help to get creative about how you might create a similar situation for yourself. And another thing that I was thinking about, one reason I did decide to get a nanny was that I knew that I could do, I knew that I could do the thought work that it would take in order for me to be in the presence of mind to ask for all the help that I needed. But that was definitely more work. Doing that thought work is absolutely available, but I was able to see that that would be more work than it would be to just have someone dedicated to helping me, someone I was paying to help me. And I had to do much less thought work about asking my nanny for help because it was her job to help me. There's nothing wrong with that. Just because we can do mind management around something to make it available to us doesn't mean it's not going to take a lot of work. And sometimes we can just take the option that it's that is a little bit easier on us and I still had to do thought work around getting a nanny and a lot of thought work around you know living with another person and and all those things but it was such a relief to just have someone dedicated to helping me so let's go over a few more thoughts that you might have ready and loaded to answer your brain when it resists you when the opportunity to ask for help arises so we'll take a few of the examples from the list we read at the beginning and then just come up with an answer for those so if i ask for help it means that i failed in some way that's a thought your lord might offer you and so a way you might answer that thought could be something like asking for help doesn't mean failure it's just how i take care of myself 
another thought your lower brain might offer you is nobody understands. And you might answer that with, they don't need to understand. I understand. And I know I need help. Or another possible answer to that one could be something like, it's possible that other people do understand. On the one that, on the another thought your lower brain might offer you is, seems like this is only hard for me. It seems like everyone else has this particular problem figured out. And you could answer that thought with, there's a chance this is hard for other people too. Um, when you're worried about what other people are thinking about you because you're asking for help, or if they're saying yes when they really would rather say no, or if you are inconveniencing them or being a burden. One thought that I love to answer those types of thoughts with is I love when people ask me for help. For the most part, all of what I'm talking about right now is really speaking just as the general whole. I'm sure that many of us have particular situations in our life where a certain person maybe over asks for help or takes advantage of the people around them and that those cases will always come and go but those are the more the exception than the rule so what we're talking about in this episode is all based more on the general experience with asking for help and being asked for help so like I said one way I like to answer this is reminding myself how much I enjoy helping other people even if right when they ask I kind of say yes out of obligation. That happens sometimes, but I cannot think of one time that I have helped someone that I thought, well, that was a waste of my time or, you know, they shouldn't have asked for help or where I viewed it as a weakness rather than actually I view it as a complete strength. When someone asks me for help, I think I'm so glad that they were brave enough and aware enough to reach out and ask for help and let people know that they needed some extra help. And that leads me to my next point that one of my favorite things that I've ever learned about vulnerability, and I'm pretty sure I learned it from Brene Brown because she's the queen of vulnerability, but I actually can't exactly remember where I learned this from. But as soon as I learned it, I just saw it everywhere. The concept is that we revere and admire and honor vulnerability in other people. Take a minute to think about moments where people have exposed themselves to you in a way, been vulnerable with you and shared what was on their heart and how much you admired that in them. And then the fascinating thing is that while we admire it in others, we often perceive it as a weakness in ourselves. We tend to really judge ourselves for what can be called vulnerability, while at the same time appreciating it and admiring it and seeing it as a sign of strength in the people around us. So I'm going to leave you guys today on that note with a quote from Brene Brown. And she says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we, when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It is our greatest measure of courage. Your mission for this episode is to identify your current relationship with your ability to ask for help and to receive help. Decide if that current relationship is serving you and then identify what you want it to be if it isn't what you want it to be right now. And the final piece of your mission for this episode is to notice how easily you believe amazing things about other people and are more slow to believe it about yourself, particularly when it comes to vulnerability and to make that a goal for yourself to honor your own vulnerability as you honor the vulnerability in other people. And that's what I have for you guys today. So we'll end this episode with a hot mess moment. 
this recent training that my husband just returned from, he left uh, beginning of February and about a month into the training, close to the beginning of March, he flew home for the weekend. It was so fun to see him. And this was all just right before everything shut down with coronavirus. And actually, because my husband works for SkyWest Airlines, we have flight benefits and we're able to fly standby for free. And we had planned that throughout the four months that he was going to be in Alabama, that he would come home a few of the weekends and maybe be a few of the kids and I would go out there and see him. And so this was his first visit home. And the very next weekend was when things started to really shut down. And so that plan did not go as planned. That was the only time we saw him throughout the the four months. Anyway, he was home and we had some family time and then he and I were able to go on a date and he was pretty tired from traveling on his first night and that was the night we were going on our date and so we decided to get some takeout and a red box. We went to one of our favorite restaurants called Goodwood Barbecue and my husband loves to get ribs and smashed potatoes and steamed veggies and I love to get, this is the only restaurant I do this at, but I order an appetizer off the menu as my entree and they have a dish there called Idaho Potato Skins and it just completely knocks my socks off. It's basically, you know, fried big chunks of potatoes with the potato skin still on and it has sour cream and ranch and bacon and green onions and cheese just all over it and it's so delicious and it's not really something I cook at home very much and so I really like to order things from restaurants that I don't cook for myself. So it's one of my favorite things to get there. And usually I'll have a couple of my husband's ribs and he'll have a couple of my potato skins. It's a perfect trade. So we got takeout, got our red box, went home, got our movie. And I think we were watching Knives Out. If you guys have seen that one, that's a really funny movie. And we've got everything queued up. We've got the kids all settled, the little ones in bed and the older kids with their own movie. And we're having a stay at home date in our room and get our movie started, get our food set up. Everything's so good, feeling so happy to have him home. And they had sent me with my potato skins an extra cup of the ranch dressing that's drizzled on it in case I wanted more, which I did. (laughs) And I had taken the lid off this little condiment cup and set the ranch in the top part of my styrofoam to-go box. And a few minutes into the movie, I had taken one, maybe two bites of my potato skins, just really enjoying it. And I was, I, we were hungry. We, we had picked them up from the airport and run some errands and, and we were, we were hungry. And I was just so excited to be in that moment. But Brad asked me for a bite. And so I was going to hand in my to-go box and I forgot that the ranch dressing was in open and in that top part of my lid and it dumped everywhere. I mean, it was not even that big of a cup of ranch dressing and there was an insane amount of ranch on my lid legs, on my pants, on my bed. It was awful and funny later, not funny in that moment. Mostly I was just really, really angry. I was actually kind of surprised how angry it made me. And I think it was just such a contrast from how amazing the moment was right before the ranch spilled. And then also just how avoidable that mistake was, right? Like I could have just not spilled it. And I just sat there. My husband was trying to help me and I was like, don't, don't. I just need a minute to just be really angry about what just happened. So he just kept watching the movie and I just sat there feeling my anger, watching my thoughts. And I wasn't trying to change anything. I was just letting myself be really angry about what had happened. And one thing that I was really impressed with as I thought about it later was that I was just plain and simple angry about what had happened. I wasn't angry at myself. 
I wasn't having like beat myself up thoughts, but my, I really have seen how my consistent mind management has paid off. My brain muscles are very strong. You guys, I go to the brain gym every day and I can see the results of that in that my lower brain didn't, it offered me lots of angry thoughts and I was just willing to allow the anger, but it didn't indulge in, if only you hadn't made that mistake, you dummy, or just any of those kinds of attack thoughts, attack on myself thoughts. And I was really pleased to notice that as I was pondering on what happened the next day. So after a few solid minutes of just feeling my anger, it started to ease up a little and started to dissipate just a little bit. It wasn't funny yet. It wasn't funny until the next day, but the anger was passing and I was able to, you know, pause the show, let my husband help me now. We could get it wiped off my pants. I could change my clothes. We had to strip the bed and start a load of laundry so that the, if you've ever spilled ranch, it's just alarmingly greasy. (laughs) And I wanted to quickly get a load of laundry started so that our duvet cover wouldn't be stained and then get new bedding on the bed and then get settled back down with our food and get the movie going again and, and proceed. And the whole thing probably took 10 minutes. And when you're hungry and so excited to just be in that moment, mm, that was quite an experience, but one that we can laugh about now and one that could show me how awesome my, my brain muscles are getting from my consistent regular visits to the brain gym. Okay. Thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please go to my website, simplyresilient.net to download my free guide to thriving during deployment. I also love when you share this podcast with your friends and rate and review it. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.